So when we um, started Rock City Church, the last place that we thought we ever wanted to be was in a shopping center. And when the shopping center opened up for us to buy it, we were not interested. The challenge was there was really nowhere else to go in town that could park enough cars. Really, the parking lot was a big issue. So unless we were going to move to the outskirts of town and build a church out in the country, we had nowhere to go. And ultimately, it would be God's heart and God's design to put us in Flower Bluff. He knew that we needed to be in this community, and he knew that the shopping center was the right spot to be. Though we bowed up and kicked and fought along the way, God would have his way, and ultimately we would buy this shopping center owner-financed where uh, we would move in and suck it up and do whatever we had to do. And in that time, we raised about $250,000 to build the sanctuary. We did it debt-free. We paid for it cash. Not the shopping center, but the building out of the sanctuary was about 250000 we bought this shopping center for $2.8 million. We now owe $2.2 million, and it appraised for $3.8 million, just so that you guys know. God has really blessed our life, and uh, we're sitting on well over a million and a half in equity on this shopping center right now, and the only debt that we have is the actual note on the property. When we bought the shopping center, we owner financed it from a local oral surgeon at 6.8%, and right in the middle of COVID, we refinanced it for something like 4.5%, saving us $11,000 a month. Yeah, so God has been very good to us. Um, our church doubled in size. We were 225 people we moved here. Now we're running six to 700 people consistently with two services, and God has been so incredibly good to our church. We've had a great amount of money tucked away in savings, and you all can rejoice because of the new bathrooms. Right? I, I know y'all are excited. If, if you're listening right now by podcast or watching online or visiting for the first time, you don't really understand how big of a deal this is because we've had these little tiny bathrooms in the back corner and we make y'all walk out the back, walk down the hallway to the back corner and uh, go to the bathroom, these little tiny bathrooms back there. And uh, finally, uh, they're not fully, what's that? Oh, you have to wait because those are the same bathrooms that our, chil that our children use. And if they're in the bathroom, we make y'all wait. And so now they'll have their own bathroom. We are going to be actually putting special doors up so that the children's section can be safe, secure, private. It'll be a whole separate area. And uh, we're super excited. I'd like to really say thanks to Joe Hintz and his crew for working so hard to get those bathrooms open. You know, you never think you'd rejoice so much over bathrooms, but it really is a big deal. It's a big deal. And um, yeah, they really are beautiful. My wife did an amazing job designing them. Blue for the boys, girl for the, green for the girls. And it uh, looks awesome over there. All you got to do is walk out and go to the left, but just never walk out while I'm preaching because I'm watching you. I'm watching you if you're walking out right now. And so... The funny story about those, and today I'm just going to be a little more conversational with you. I have a message that's very important that will tie in with what I'm talking about. But when we uh, first bought the shopping center, literally right where you're going to go to the potty was probably the cigarette section for Dollar General, right? There was a Dollar General one door over from our front door, one door over. And we just hated being next to a Dollar General, honestly. That Dollar General was the worst producing store in the entire county. There's like, I don't know, 20 Dollar Generals. About 
three or four months after we moved in, it was the number one producing store in the whole county. Not something to boast about, right? But people were going to get chips and snacks and drinks and Eventually, our church doubled in size, and we knew we needed the space. And so we went to Dollar General and said, look, we need you to move out. And they said, there's no way we're moving out. And we've got it made. We're right next to a church. We're doing great. And they had two five-year extensions on their lease, which would have kept them here another 10 years, 10 more years. Yeah. They had been here since this was an HEB. This was the meat section. This was the produce section right there. And I'm standing in the dairy section, right? And, and after that, it was a Hollywood video, and we rooted out all the pornographic stuff that was in there. I don't know what section that was in. It doesn't matter, right? And so uh, we went to Dollar General, and we said, you guys have to move. They're like, we're not moving. I said, you're moving. They said, we're not moving, because we own the shopping center. They said, we're not moving. You can't make us move. So we hired an attorney, the best real estate attorney that we could find, $350 an hour. Yeah, yeah, and basically we were gonna sue them to move out and they said, we'll fight you back. Now, if we lost the lawsuit, we would have to pay for all of our expenses and their expenses, which could have been hundreds of thousands of dollars. With lots of prayer, this church prayed it through and we realized it was a David and Goliath situation. We found some loopholes in their lease agreement and we filed notice that we were gonna litigate. And they came back and said, we're not moving, we'll, li- we'll take it to trial. And we said, okay. That's how that went. And so, so their attorney eventually called our attorney and said, what is it you guys want? Why are you doing this? We would think, I mean, they were paying $70,000 a year to be in the shopping center. That was a big risk for us to move out a a tenant that was leasing from us for 70,000 a year, but we knew we were gonna need the space, right? And so our attorney said, look, we just want you guys to move. There's a church here, there's children and families here. You guys were selling alcohol and cigarettes and all kinds of things next door and they just don't want you there, they need the space. And so their attorney said, well, can we just stay another year till our lease expires? And we said, absolutely. And so they stayed one more year and then Dollar General moved, okay? It did not go to litigation. Let's praise God for that, right? Let's praise God for that. Though I was up for a good fight. I was up for a good fight because I trusted God and I knew that this house had been ordained by the Lord. And so, right? So they moved. I don't remember the exact year. It was maybe 17-ish or early 18. And in 2018, we launched our Living Stones campaign. And in one year, this church raised for our new sanctuary $400,000. Okay. And with that $400,000, we put a new roof on because the roof in the shopping center was all rusted out and it was literally Noah's flood in half the shopping center. It was flooding everywhere. So we used the money that was gonna be for the build out and we paid cash for a brand new tear off and rebuild of four and a half inches of TPO. That may not mean anything to some of you, but it means that our shopping center is really insulated and it does not leak. And then, the walls came, 
came crumbling down. You guys might remember in January 1st of 2019, we, I put my lumberjack hat on with my big beard and Amber got next to me and we started smashing the wall down, put up the next picture. There we were. <laughs> tore the wall, we tore the wall down, Bring right? Bring back the beard and the long hair. My wife's like, no way, no way. The earrings, I'm going to do it. I'm, at some point, I'm going to do it. I don't know when, but. So we have had a non-traditional, in fact, I can't even call it a capital campaign because we haven't really had one. We have launched what was called our Living Stones campaign, and the premise of Living Stones came from 1 Peter 2.5, and it's the mindset that God has made us to be a spiritual house and we're a spiritual house that offers spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. It's a place where we come to know Christ, to know his name, to know who he is, to demonstrate his power so that people can be healed, set free and delivered. And there have been countless people that have been transformed, healed and set on fire in this house. We're a royal priesthood, royal priesthood that has a very specific purpose. We're a remnant church. We're a church that is uncompromising when it comes to the full gospel, the supernatural power of God. We understand that we don't build a church on the manifestations of the spirit. We build it on family, vision, and leadership, but we also demonstrate the supernatural because you have to have the power of God in your midst, or you won't see the miracle signs and wonders, and people won't come to know that God is way bigger and better than the things of this world. And so we make no qualms, or we have no shame at all and make no apology about moving in the power of God and how important that is for all of our lives. That praying in tongues is for everyone, the interpretation in tongues, the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, deliverance, healing, all those things are for today and they need to be demonstrated in God's house. God's church should be the contrast. The world's combusting, it's full of darkness. But when people step in here, they should experience his presence, his life, his love, his liberty, and his freedom, and be empowered to walk out differently. Amen. And so, those walls came crashing down, and then in 2019, thanks to Fabian and his crew, we demoed the space next door, which was a lot of work. When we demoed that space, we put the new roof on, and then, I, then we had what I would call the great pause, which was COVID, right? So in 2021, COVID hit and everything kind of seemed to come to a standstill. And during that time, the Lord really took me into a time of intense reflection about why we were building this church and why we were building the house. He began to speak to me that there could be no selfish ambition in why we were building this house, that there couldn't be any desire for personal gain in any way, none zero in why we were going to build this church. None. That this house was not to be built for you. It was not to be built for man. It was to be built for God and for his name and for his purposes. There could be no desire to be like anyone or anything else, which is a battle in the world of social media, in the world of great churches that are successful, that have done incredible things for God, it's easy to look at other churches and find yourself in comparison. 
It's easy to want to be like someone else. It's easy to want to do something like someone else. But the Lord would make it very clear that we were not to be or try to be like anyone or anything else in what we were doing. There could be no desire for fame or recognition, and there could be no desire to be anything outside of what God wanted us to be. The key here was to make sure that in no way, shape, or form, we would not build a den of thieves. And God was dealing with me in my heart uh, uh, and asking me question after question after question. Of course, through COVID, we had a lot of reflection time and everything paused. We stopped passing buckets during that time. We put boxes in the back. Our church, fortunately, we live in a wonderful free state nation of Texas and uh, the Republic of Texas. Yeah. And um, so we were only three months. We chose to do the live stream. It was great for us. We loved it. I enjoyed the live stream and our church actually would grow mightily during that time. We would become more excellent, excellent in our live stream. And as soon as our doors opened back up in April, our church completely blew up. It was great. My business doubled and tripled in revenue. It was a complete and awesome experience for us in every way. And the Lord wanted to make sure that anything we built had no component of a den of thieves in it but rather that this church would be a house of prayer for all nations. And with that, I would have little to no discussion with you about raising funds. There'd be no pledge cards. There'd be no little to no talking about building this sanctuary. Very little. Every now and then it would be a side thing that was mentioned, but it wasn't pushed. It wasn't hammered. It wasn't always kept before you. Instead, we sat and waited and listened, and God dealt with my heart about the intentions of why we would build out. In the late spring of 2021, I was sitting in our favorite hotel in San Antonio, the Hotel Emma, and I was sitting downstairs in the restaurant or in, in the lobby bar. I was not drinking alcohol, just so that you know. But this bar has a library. It's like one you've never seen. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you ever go to the Pearl District, just go walk through the Hotel Emma and you're gonna see the most beautiful lobby. It's not even a normal lobby bar. I mean, it is just gorgeous. And I was sitting there and I was having a supernatural encounter with the Lord. I was weeping and I was crying. I was sitting before a big fireplace there and uh, God was just downloading to me about the reasons why we would build a church, but that ultimately we wouldn't be building it. He would be the one that would build it. And if our intentions and our motives and our hearts were pure, we wouldn't have to strive or push, but we would see the supernatural hand of God intervene on our behalf and he would actually build us a house. And so I'm going to share a little, thank you. I'm going to share a little bit of, of that with you today. First, it had to be God himself that builds the house. And if we labored and strived in our own strength, our labor would be in vain. And that comes from Psalm 127 verse 1 that unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, we would, the word vain literally means it's pointless, useless, and a waste of time. And I don't want to waste any of our time or any of our money. None. We have to be very strategic and purposeful and intentional by the leading of the Holy Spirit in what we do and why we do it. And today, what I'm really going to tackle with you is the why. Because if we don't under, understand the why, we'll never understand the what or the how. 
we must understand the why or we as a collective family and body and our friends that are visiting and friends that are watching online will not understand why we are doing what we're doing. And so I was reminded in 2 Samuel 7, I'm not going to teach this. I've taught it before. I'm just going to touch on it. In 2 Samuel 7, we get the very first understanding of building the first temple. King David is sitting in a palace and the ark of God's presence, the ark of the covenant is in a tabernacle or a tent of meeting. David's blessed. He's got rest on every side. He's conquered and defeated all the giants of the land and he's taken the promised land. And he says to himself, here I am sitting in a palace while the ark of the presence or the covenant is sitting in a tent. And he says to himself, I'm going to build God a house. And so Nathan, his personal seer comes to him and David tells him what he wants to do. And Nathan, the seer says, whatever's in your heart, do it. But Nathan actually missed it and did not fully inquire of the Lord. That night, Nathan would get a download from God and come back to David the next morning and tell David that if God wanted a house, he would have built one a long time ago. And no house can contain God himself. And that all the things that happened for David's life were not because of anything David did, but because of what God did. And if you read in 2 Samuel 7, you have this list where God says, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. Starting from when you were a little shepherd boy, all the way through the process of his deliverance from Hebron, Jerusalem, and to where he was in that day. It was all because of the Lord. It was all because of the Lord. And the fact that David was a man after God's heart. It didn't mean that he didn't make mistakes, but it meant that he was a man of one thing. And if this church is not a church of one thing, if we personally are not people of one thing, every dream, every desire, you will try to acquire in your own strength and it will come to naught. But if we make ourselves a people of one thing with one purpose and one desire, the rest will come. Even Jesus said, where two or more gathered in my name, where my name is lifted up, I'll gather. He would gather all the people to us. So the key would be to lift up his name and to be a people of one thing. The Lord would then tell David, I'm going to give you the plans. I'm going to give you the strategies, but you're not going to be the one that's going to build it. Your son is going to build it. And this is going to be for a promise to your lineage and your family line, which we all know would ultimately bring about the Savior our best friend, Jesus, right? So he would let David know that Solomon would build it. So the key for me in this entire process has been to not push or try to make the building of this church or the new sanctuary something we've had to strive for in our own strength. Now, a lot of you have come to this church being unchurched. You hadn't, or you hadn't been a church in 10, 20, or 30 years, or this is the first church you've ever been to. But some of us have come from churches where we've been through these crazy capital campaigns, I have. I've been through many capital campaigns. I've seen the greatest, the latest, and the best capital campaigns. We, in fact, our, the capital campaign I was a part of in the last church, I loved it because it was, it was titled Light a Fire, and everybody got a lighter with the church logo on it. I thought that was pretty cool. I really did think that was cool. 
from pledge cards and commitment cards to reminders to all these different things that you can do to raise money. Some of you have been through crazy capital campaigns. When we built this church that you're sitting in right now, the Lord said, I don't want you to do any capital campaign. Put it out before the people one time and leave it. And this church raised 250000 It was the same thing that I did in 2018 for the, for the Living Stones. I put it before you. We asked you guys to make a commitment of $300 a month. And then we left it in your hands and left it alone. And our church raised $400,000 at that time. If you trust God, God will do what he said he would do, but your motives and your intentions have to be pure and right in why and what you're doing. And so he would continue to deal with me to make sure that I don't do anything in my own strength or ability or for personal gain or desire. If Jesus is truly the head of his church in this house, then we should trust him to build it. However, that does not mean that we should sit back and do nothing, simply hoping that the resources would come in. There has to be an action. There has to be a response to what God has said to do. Now, that's not the point of my focus today. I'm not going to talk with you about the understanding that God is the head of his house and his provision. What I want to talk with you about is this tension between trying to make it happen and trusting God to do it in his way and his time. There's always a tension because in the natural world, we know and we understand that if I do all of these certain things, the people will respond. Or if I push it or remind people or talk about it or keep it before you, then people will remember and people will give. But there's also this mindset that says God is the king and the head of his church. How much lordship do we have and how much can we trust him? We have some pioneers here. We have a pastor here that's done this, built churches, built schools, and done these things before that I could probably learn from and humble myself to learn from others. But at the same time, I also have to trust uniquely that God's going to do something his way and demonstrate the power of God that says, if God is God, let God be God. The God that answers by fire is the true God of heaven. And so his presence, his power, his love, and the cloud of his presence But I taught a message some time ago titled, The Cloud Needs a Model. Yes, God shows up in this house. Yes, we feel his presence. Yes, people are delivered. Yes, people are healed. Yes, people are set free. Yes, families are restored because of the cloud. But the cloud needs a model. And that model is the father wants a family. And the father is building a house. And so there's this tension. But this issue always comes down to his timing and the condition of our hearts. The building of Rock City Church must be for the right reasons. And I firmly believe that now is the time, which is why we're moving full speed ahead to do the build out, even though we don't have all the finances. Last year, we would relaunch Livingstone's campaign in October with almost no money in our uh, building fund. Last September, one year ago, it was actually September 5th, one year ago. In one year, just since that time, just since that time, this church has raised $500,000. How many times have you heard me talk about the building? How many times have you heard me push the living stones? How many pledge cards have we put before you? I feel the Lord on that because We are going to see the miraculous, wondrous work of the Lord, but that does not preclude you or exclude you from responsibility. Every one of us has a responsibility when it comes to building this house. 
more so the members and the full-time attenders. And today I'm asking guests and those listening and watching online for help. Help to finish building this house. But I'm going to tackle the why with you. The why is one of the most important reasons of what we're doing. And here it is. In 2 Samuel 7, we get the very first insight to why God would build the house. We get the first insight, and it comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. It says, he shall build a house for what? For my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Talking ultimately about Christ, the lineage passed down from King David, that the kingdom of his throne would be established forever. Now, the first temple would ultimately be destroyed, so would the second temple, and ultimately God would, be, would talk about a royal priesthood, a royal house. It's not so much about a building, but a building has a purpose. Facilities facilitate. But what are we wanting to facilitate in our new facilities? This statement of building a house for my name would be a recurring statement made both by God and the builder that would build it. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 5. And behold, I propose, this is Solomon talking, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, your son whom I set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for what? My name. The message title today is a house for his name. What's in a name? Why is his name so important? If his name is not present in the house, his name identifies not only the character and nature who he, of who he is, but when his name is present in the house, everything that comes with his name is present in the house. First Kings chapter eight, verse 18 through 21 the Lord said to my father, David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come from your body, he will build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word, which he spoke. And I have fulfilled the position of my father, David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel and there I have made a place for the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. So notice verse 18, you did well that it was in your heart for my name. Verse 19, build a house for my name. Verse 20, built a house for the name of the Lord. Verse 21, a place where the ark could reside. What does the ark represent? The presence of God. And what I long for more than anything is that when somebody dons the doors of this house, no matter how great the worship is or isn't, no matter how great the preaching is or isn't, that you would experience the presence of God and that your life would be transformed supernaturally. It's for his name. And so what is in his name? Well, his name literally means the deliverer. It literally means salvation comes from the Lord. It literally means savior. And what does it mean to be saved? To be saved first means that he rescues you. Then it means that he defends you. He protects you. He delivers you. He 
brings you to a place of safety, and then he makes you in to be everything that he has called you to be. It's the process of salvation. First he rescues, then he protects and defends and delivers you, and then he makes you in to be what God has called you to be. It's a process of salvation. His name is a strong tower. It's a place where safety resides, where in the chaos of darkness and hurt and pain and brokenness and confusion and stress and everything that's happening in the world around us, is combusting people left and right and families are being destroyed and people's lives are imploding, they can walk into his house and find sanctuary, refuge, and transformation. Now, it's silly for us to think that any house could contain God. And that's what Solomon would say in 1 Kings 8, 27. He says, will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the, regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day toward the place which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place, and you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel, that when they pray toward this place, that you would hear in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, that you would forgive. Nothing can contain God. Nothing can contain God. Not the highest of the highest heavens, let alone a building. However, Solomon would pray that God would open his eyes and his ears to that house, and that is my prayer, that it would be open to this house night and day to what? Our prayers. And that this would be a place where his name would be and that prayers would be made in this place night and day. That God would hear the prayers and the supplications. What are supplications? Supplications is coming into agreement with what God has said and making the prophetic declarations for our community, our land, and our government. This place would ultimately, if his name's here, become a house of governmental authority. Not just a little remnant of a small batch that didn't compromise that barely hangs on, but rather a place of advancement, kingdom standards, because the kingdom of God is the standard, not the world. The kingdom of God's not a subculture. That's why I'm very active in governance, and I make no shame about it. I don't apologize about it. We have to influence influences in our community and our nation and set the standard of God, whether they like it or not, because the kingdom of God is the standard. And then when God would see what's taking place, he would hear. And what would he do? He would forgive. In the next part of this chapter, I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to sum it up for you. Solomon would make a variety of statements about the purpose of the temple. And in that purpose, he would say a lot of different things, but I will sum it up for you. It would be a place where judgment from heaven would take place on an altar in earth, on earth. So it'd be a place where God's standard in heaven, where we're seated at the right hand of God, where that standard would be implemented and righteous judgment would take place in his house on earth. It would be a place where people who are defeated due to bad decisions against God could come, repent, pray, and confess. 
It'd be a place where God would hear, heal, and forgive from heaven and restore them to the place that they came from. I would encourage all of you to go and read that chapter because Solomon had this understanding that true judgment and justice on earth must come from heaven, but it would come upon a house and a place where people would come broken, hurting, distraught, distant from God, needing healing in their lives, having combusted and made terrible decisions, depressed, anxious, worried, full of fear, all of the issues that we see in our society that they could walk into this house into God's house and be called to a place of prayer and repentance and brokenness. And if that's not our priority, where his name to know Christ, to make him known. And if the cross isn't front and centered before you could even go into the Holy of Holies, you would have to go through the brazen altar and we'd have to burn up the animal nature, which means there has to be a presence of God and a calling to the cross and a calling to repentance. But there also has to be supernatural healing and signs and wonders and miracles that demonstrate the power of God. Right before Solomon would pray these things, a cloud of God's presence would come and the priests who were ministering in the temple could not even stand because God's presence was so thick. It all comes down to the heart. I'm not that good. In my best day, I can't make the presence of God happen. Neither can Mark or Nathan or our worship team. We can have all the programs. We can have the best facilities. But if the cloud of God's presence is not here, what's the point? In fact, God is so good that sometimes we can be so bad and God still shows up. I don't understand. I just like, man, whoo, I fell on my face preaching that one time, but God still showed up. Worship was rough, but God still showed up. Sound was too loud, but God still showed up. Somebody, I heard somebody was here. I wasn't here on Wednesday, was up at the front screaming out in tongues and screaming out and beating on the, on the altar, but it wasn't from the Lord and it was a distraction. I can see the people that come to visit the church for the first time and sit next to the transient or the homeless guy that walked by and walked in strung out on drugs. We've had people come and strung out on meth, running around half naked in the church, walked in right off the, off the street. But God knew this is where we needed to be. And even those people, we do the best that we can love. And if we find ourselves worried about who's going to like it and not like it, every single Sunday morning, somebody gets up and walks out because they're visiting and they didn't like the worship, my style, the supernatural, or we weren't what we were looking for. And that's okay. That's okay. There's 850 churches in the Coastal Bend region. There's a lot of tribes. And there's some great churches in this city. We have to be true to ourselves and unique to who God has called us to be. We have to get the downloads and the blueprints from heaven from God directly. But if there's not a brazen altar, if there's not a bronze laver, if there's not an inner court with a table of showbread, if there's not a lampstand, if there's not incense in the house of God, then there'll be no holy, there'll be no holy place. There'll be no Ark of the Covenant. What, why are we doing what we're doing? It's not for fun and we cannot stay here. I've said this for years. If we stay in this spot, we will die. A church that does not expand and grow becomes inbred. And when you have an inbred church, you reproduce midgets. Don't get offended. It's true. It's spiritually. And this church is growing God has brought incredible people and ministries to this house, new friends and new families, but we are in pioneer mode again, folks. 
And when you pioneer, God will ultimately bring the settlers. And people that are walking and say, I can't settle here yet. But one day, legacy will come. Because we're really not even building this for us. We're building it for the generations to come to know his name. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a tension. There's a tension. Be true to what God said, no matter what. Even if it seems weird. Even if people don't understand it. That's a tension. There's people that don't like the flags. They don't like flag worship, period. And they walk in and they see the flag worship. It's like, that's weird. I'm out. And that's not easy for me, but I have to say, bye. Because we have to understand and maybe it'll change tomorrow. Listen, if my wife says she really likes the flags, she has no issue with it, we're leaving the flags. Because my wife gets downloads from heaven and she's totally opposite of me. I'm the wild flag creative fire guy. She's the balanced cool blue flame that keeps me centered in what I do. But you have to understand that people aren't going to like prophetic worship. People aren't going to like the supernatural. People aren't going to be hungry. And you know what? That's why there's 850 churches in this region. And I'm not going to dog out any other church because they do it different. Neither should anybody else do it for us. If we don't remain true to who God's called us to be, we will compromise our standards. This must be a house for his name. And it must be a house that is not a den of thieves, but rather a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7. This scripture, I want you to understand the context of the scripture. If you read the scripture before, it literally talks about the son of the foreigner. The son of the foreigner is the one that will be brought to the holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of what? Prayer. Prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is an altar. It's a type and shadow of what's taking place in heaven. When I teach on the heavenly worship series, which is coming next, we're going to talk about that. That this is simply a type and shadow of what's taking place right now there. And how our actions should respond to what's taking place there. But when the nations walk in, when the hurting and the broken and the foreigner and the outcast walk in this house, will they find a place? Will they find an altar? There are churches today that don't even do altar calls. And this service is really hard because it's short. And I don't have the time in the transition to do the altar calls. But things will change when we move to the new house. We'll have more time, a bigger place, and a bigger sanctuary where we can facilitate better. And so God wants a house of prayer for all nations versus the den of thieves. A den of thieves is a place of selfish gain, selfish ambition, trying to compare ourselves to others, trying to be like somebody else. And I get it. It's messy here sometimes. But God gave us a prophetic word early on that this was a house of bread. This was a Bethlehem. And this is a manger. And y'all are the animals. All right, you can laugh at yourself. This is a place where... Literally, Christ is born and birthed in the hearts of men. And sometimes it's messy. Coffee stains on the carpet, chip paint sometimes. It doesn't always have to be perfect. But as we move, we expand into a greater understanding of excellence and stewardship in God's house. 
So I'm going to leave you with this. When we talk about building a church, here would, this would be the easy thing. It would be easy to talk about the need for more space. We're running over 100 kid, children on a Sunday morning, and this house is full. Even though there's open seats here, we're a solid 80%, and some Sundays, 90 95%. Living in the Coastal Bend region, this church can fluctuate 50 to 100 people a Sunday, right? We're at two services. We are beyond capacity for the, what this one sanctuary can hold, and be easy to talk about that. Be easy to talk about the harvest and the need for healing, training, and equipping with all the people that God wants to bring. It'd be easy to talk about the explosion of children. It'd be easy to talk about the excellence and expansion and how much better things will be. I hate our sound system. I hate speakers on the side blasting right in your face. But God's never let me upgrade them. This is the first sound system, literally from Clawson Music under $10,000, that we bought with old, tired speakers busting out your eardrums. And God says, you're going to stay right where you're at and not invest any more into that until I move you. But I can't stand it. I think the sound in here is bad. But you know what? God shows up. You know where God put us first? In a fellowship hall at First Christian Church on Santa Fe and Doddridge with big giant windows that blinded me out while I preached and blacked out the congregation. He said, don't put any lights, no fog machines, nothing special. An old rickety stage and watch what I can do. And God's presence showed up. That's how this church started. It'd be easy to talk about all the awesome new things that my wife has in her heart because she's got incredible ideas, all new windows in the front and planters and vines and a beautiful house with greenery and a white ceiling that's bright and a place that you walk in that's beautiful and radiant and is just full of life. She's got such style and design. And it'd be easy for me to talk about that new $300,000 sound system that I want to put in. That's going to be the most incredible sound system we've ever heard laid out just beautifully in the wonder of what's going to come. But if we don't understand why the why of what we're doing, that this house would be a house of prayer first for his name. We built a big giant conference room in the front. You can see it through the window if you look straight down the hall. It's not going to be a conference room anymore because God said, I want that to be the house of prayer. And that whole entire giant room is going to be a house of prayer. Thanks to Susan Blodgett and the reminder and the passion that she brought that she needed to do. Be easy to talk about the co-op. The co-op sold out 70 children. And if we had more space, we could make it to three or 400 children. It'd be easy to talk about what's coming with uh, Majesty Outdoors and the nine acres of land that we just per purchased at Yorktown and Waldron. It'd be easy to talk about all those things. And we do talk about them. But the main thing that I wanted to tell you today because the baby's letting my time's up. My time is up. Is that this house, can you pull up the scripture? I probably didn't give it to you, but I want you to pull up 1 Peter 2, 5. This house is a spiritual house. Living stones. We're all a living stone being built together into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. A place where judgment from heaven can take place a place where true measurement, a prophetic apostolic house that sets a governmental standard to shift this community. And you all know what I do every week. I made two trips in one day downtown to City Hall last week. 
One to pray for the mayor with a group of pastors and one to be a part of the ethics commission, which now I'd like to let y'all know one of our own Dane Fuller's with me on the ethics commission, which I'm excited about. We're just going to take, take it over. Now I'm waiting for some of y'all to run for city council and governmental offices and school board and school board positions coming. And we will be talking about the election. I will be telling every one of you who I'm voting for and who I think you should vote for. Like it or not. And I'll do my research for you. How's that? You guys can do your own research, but I'll vet them out and call them out by name. We have the county judges coming to this house. We have other judges coming to this house. We have city leaders and state representatives. Our very own team usher team leader is the field rep for our congressman who's spirit-filled and went to Oral Roberts University. We are going to be aggressive because we're a governmental house. And so, to conclude, we raised, since last year, $400,000. We've spent 394000 of it. <laughs> Thanks to Jeff Pankman, who was another, Pastor Jeff was a massive blessing to this house. He laid down a key executive vice president position at Driscoll Children's Hospital, making three to four times what he was making, what he's making here. But he and his wife made the sacrifice to come and serve in this house. And thanks to Pastor Marlene, who set the stage for Pastor Jeff. Let's give her a hand clap. Because she, she took us to the spot where he could step in. We spent $50,000 to move structural beams. We spent $90,000 for those beautiful new bathrooms. You better pee in them a lot. That is, those are some expensive commodes, folks. We had to literally dig a trench under the building to run the plumbing for these bathrooms up in the front. $156,000 for a fire suppression system, which is a stupid name because you're not suppressing any fire here. $90,000 so far for framing and a big, beautiful new classroom because the bathrooms took away two classrooms. We built a new classroom in the back for the kids and all the framing and the demo work. So about $394,000 we've spent. Here's what's next. We're putting in 78 tons of AC units. Nine AC units, 78 tons, $160,000 just for the AC, AC units. And here's what I want to ask for help for today. Because of the economy, because of inflation, and because of what's happening, AC units are six to eight months delayed. If we don't pay for those now, we are every bit of eight months to even just get those in. And the time is now, I'm asking you guys to please everybody to do something and to do their part because we need to get those AC units purchased. Electrical will be 150, 300,000 for the lighting, sound, and the audiovisual. Just the chairs alone. These chairs, when we bought them, were $35 a piece. They're now $50 a piece, and we're changing out the chairs. Signage, windows, doors. In general, we need about a million dollars to finish the project. This does not account for phase two, which will be transforming this space. New classrooms, a youth and multi-purpose space, and a big, beautiful new classroom with glass garage doors opening up to a beautiful new playground. We have an incredible vision, and we are not backing down. And that vision is special, and it's important. It's important to God. We're not doing this for ourselves. I'm going to be 52 years old in a little over a week. 
I'm not building this for me. I have three under 10. I'm in full-scale dad mode, folks. You want to say, why can't the pastor meet with me? I got three kids under 10 and coffee shops and this church. We got nine to 10 beautiful elders and men that will meet with you if you need help. We are in building expansion mode. You're a pioneer. Everybody say, I'm a pioneer. So today I'm asking for everyone who's a member of this house to give and remain steadfast in your giving, both in tithes and offerings. And for our guests here today and listening online, I realize you most likely have another home and another house, but I would ask all of you to please pray and ask the Lord what you could do to help us finish this house in the body of Christ, Texas. And so right now, I have ushers that are coming up, and for the first time in two years, we will pass buckets. It's the first time in two years we'll pass buckets. And listen, this church is, we have been through like six rounds of COVID, so we're COVID strong. I think everybody in this church has had COVID at least three or four times. We even had a conference called the COVID conference here, all right? So let me say this. Would every one of you grab an envelope in the seat pocket in front of you? You don't have to put something in today, but would you please grab an envelope? I'm asking all of you to grab one, even if you take it home. Even if you take it home. But I want to ask all of you to please pray. And I want to ask all of you to give. I didn't prepare you. I didn't give you notice. I understand that. But there is something special happening here. And we are, we, together as a family, are building it. For those of you that are members or full-time attenders, I want to ask you to give your tithe today. But biblically, God also calls us to give offerings. And I want to ask you to be steadfast in your giving. You can give every month towards, the, towards what we're calling the Living Stones building campaign. You guys know the ways to give. You can pull that up on the screen. You guys can give anytime on our website. You can text 77977 to rock and type in Rock City Corpus in all caps. There's several ways that you guys can give. It's up on the screen. You can give online. You can pray about it. You can take it home. You can think about it. Look, we're moving. I'm not going to keep talking about it all the time. I'll talk about it some, but I'm not going to dedicate a whole nother message to it. This is it. Some people already got up and walked out because they're like, oh man, my first Sunday. This always works out. Pastor talked about money. Okay. Yeah, because we're building a family and money's important. I'll probably do an... Who knows how long my heavenly worship series will be? It could be two years. Prepare yourself. My uh, heavenly series was 11 weeks, and this worship one's going to be important. It's a house for his name. You could even write it down on the envelope. I'm building a house for his name. In fact, we can change the, the giving. We can move from living stones to a house for his name now. This church has raised almost already a million. We need a million to finish it. This is God's house. We own this property. You're, you're sitting on land owned by this house. 4.4 acres, the last exit before Padre Island. Don't you think people have taken notice of what God's doing here? God, I'm telling you, people take notice. Judges want to come to this house. Guess, I can only imagine who will come next. Have you ever thought about that? Who, when we shift, can you imagine, I feel the Lord on it. You mark my words. 
who will step foot into that new sanctuary that would not step foot here, but will come there. That will be rocked by the presence of God. Okay? So will you pray? We're going to pass the buckets today. I'm proud to thank you, ushers. I put, put them to the test last minute. They're like, wait, what? Five minutes before service, we're passing buckets today. So you all have an envelope. You can give today or you can take it home. You can give online or you can text to give. Let's pray. You know what? Let's all stand and let's lift our hands up to the Lord. Why don't you all say this together with me? Say, Lord, make me a house for your name, a place, a home where your name dwells. Make me a spiritual house. And I will offer spiritual sacrifices with my money, my time, my service, and showing up to be in your presence and to worship you. And now, Lord, I thank you that this is a place, just as Solomon prayed, Please, Lord, raise up a royal priesthood that week between the porch and the altar, God. That will rend their hearts. A place where hearts can be rent, God. Build a model, Lord, for the cloud. Thank you for the cloud of your presence here. Thank you for a remnant house. Please, Lord, send the cry out through the airwaves to finish this house. Please, God. And never stop showing up, Lord. We thank you. We don't take it for granted, Lord, in our worship, in our prayer, in everything we have to give, Lord. So small, but you're so great. Have your way, Lord. Bring the people and the resources. We call out to the nations, God. I call out to the kings to send the resources. You've been so good to us, Lord. You've been so good. And I'm so thankful for you. Have your way. Have your way. And we will expand our tent pegs. And we will spare not. We will spare not. We will stretch them out as far as they can be stretched, Lord. And we will not turn to the left or the right, but we will stay on the course for your name's sake. I love you, Jesus. Speak to us and have your way. You can pass the buckets now. We're going to wait to pass these buckets. Go ahead and pass the buckets.